0: This is Dave Green at East Line Studio, where we produce The Historians and many other podcasts. We hope you enjoy the podcasts and hope you'll be able to help with The Historians' funding campaign. Donations are welcome at GoFundMe.com slash The Historians, or send a check to Bob Cudmore, 125 Horseman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Now here's Bob with this episode about American history. This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. Recently, I went on the road to speak to the monthly meeting of the Capital District Genealogical Society at the Sanford Library in Colony. Genealogists like Terry Moran are the folks who research family histories. Once again at the Capital District uh, Genealogical Organization, and we're talking with uh, Teresa Moran. How are you doing, Teresa?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you, Bob.
0: We actually have met before, oh, some years ago. I had a contest uh, to develop stories uh, from the Mohawk Valley, stories from the Amsterdam area. And you submitted uh, one of the, the top entries having to do with your family and the broom making industry?
1: Yes, the uh, Howard family of Fort Hunter. Um, they were broom manufacturers, started in the 18 late 1860s and uh, grew in Fort Hunter until about the 1890s when they built a factory in Amsterdam and continued till the just about the beginning of the Depression.
0: Mm. Well, certainly broom-making was big in Amsterdam and Schenectady and, and other places as uh, well. And it was a uh, well-done uh, story. Did Did you you know go anywhere else with it I mean an article somewhere and not
1: no I haven't published anything more than than the the article for your story I continue to do research all the time on the Howard family and other families in in our genealogy though
0: let me ask you about the Howards I mean what were they like I mean what what did you find out about your ancestors that was interesting
1: well um they were quite wealthy in in the end um Charles Lewis Howard was also the president of the Farmers National Bank, as was his father before him. He was very active in the national at the national level with the Broom Manufacturing Association. He was president of the American Broom Manufacturers around the turn of the century, the nineteenth the to twentieth century. And um they had a fairly big family. They had six children, I believe, and my husband is a descendant of one of those children. Um, one of them went on to become um, an attorney mm-hmm. in the Albany Law School, and another one went on to be um, the, the wife of a pretty well-known artist, H.V.P. Uh, Klein, Hibbard Van Buren Klein. I mm-hmm. um, became an illustrator professor at the University of Syracuse and um the rest of them though kind of stayed around here and married and had children and had pretty normal families.
0: Mm-hmm. And now you're working on a different side of the family or a different family?
1: Uh yes, right now I'm I'm actually been working on my Swedish relatives. Um uh, my, on my side of the family, oh,
0: yes, you'd mentioned that to me. And yeah. and again, the software sorry name again is Teresa Moran. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Teresa, what is the f- uh, f- you know the surname of the family you're working on now?
1: Well, um, my maiden name was Eklund and um, my grandfather and grandmother were both from Sweden. Her uh, maiden name was Olsen and they uh, met over here in the nineteen teens although um he was an immigrant, he came over in nineteen twelve and was an upholsterer and um as he worked for another company uh, you know he worked as a laborer for a company as an upholsterer and she uh was a maid when she first came over and uh they met and married and eventually had my dad they kind of have she has an interesting story her her parents came over here to the United States in the 1890s in 1893 and married over here. They lived here, They she was born here, but then the family moved back to Sweden and they raised the children over there. And then my great grandmother came back to the United States and worked as a cook in New York City for wealthy people and left the children there in Sweden with their other grandparents and eventually two of those children came to the United States and two remained in Sweden. So it it's kind of illustrates that fact that once somebody emigrates it doesn't mean it's a permanent thing mm-hmm. that there was a lot of back and forth yeah, traffic that really. people aren't really that aware of.
0: Yeah, uh, although I said my experience with my elders and my my father was born in England was a little you know came over as a little boy, but I would say even uh, Polish and Italian friends of mine growing up in Amsterdam It was seldom for that generation to go back. Like, my father never went to England.
1: Yeah, yeah, but these earlier ones went back frequently. Um, My grandparents, particularly my grandfather, went back two or three times during the course of my dad's life. And, in fact, went back in 1950 because he was ill so that he could die and be buried at home. Hmm. And
0: this journey uh, with your Swedish ancestors has taken you to Sweden.
1: Yes, I just got back from Sweden with my daughter. We uh, Last week we went over there and we yeah. visited the cemeteries both in Stockholm and in a town called Neckroix where my grandfather is buried. And uh, it was quite an illuminating story. Yeah.
0: I was going to say, what did you see there?
1: Uh, well, in Stockholm we saw the old town and some of the museums, the Vasa ship that uh, sank about few hours after it was launched and uh, was an extraordinary ship back in the 1600s, um, we saw museums, we saw uh, ships. We took a canal tour uh, or a, a boat tour of uh, all of Stockholm Harbor because it's made up of 13 islands. And as I said, we went to the cemetery there. It, my grandfather, our great-grandfather, is buried in the same cemetery as Alfred Nobel so it's a pretty famous cemetery and uh, i have some relatives on the other side that are buried in that same cemetery so the two families come together and then we took a about a three-hour train ride to the town where my grandfather and his uncle his brothers my uncles great uncles grew up Mm -hmm. and we spent a day there and kind of walked the streets that they walked And
0: I wonder if this was the same for you. But when we ultimately got back to where my father came from in England, which was Torrington in Devonshire, um, I went to his house. I mean, the house he was born in, because they're made us. They aren't rich people's houses, but they're made out of stone. They're still there.
1: Yes, my grandfather's house was still there. Um, I think it was retail on the bottom and apartments on top. We didn't go in um, because we weren't, you know. We didn't know anybody there anymore. Everybody has passed on really? or moved out of that area. So we there was nobody there to visit except the graves did
0: you, uh, you nobody to visit uh, except the graves that sounds kind of sad yes. you didn't have any relatives see you know at the time when we went it'd be different now but in the 90s like the, one p- woman in particular was my father's cousin you know he they took us around and, but did you have any kind of reunions like that
1: no we didn't the only relative that I'm aware of um, is a 90 year old woman who lives about three hours by train north of the town where my grandfather grew up mm-hmm. So I didn't feel that I could really take the time in our short visit to, to make an extra six-hour train ride and, sure. and, and find her um, and probably her children. I may have to just do that another time, maybe go back again.
0: Teresa Moran, I thank you for uh, joining us and talking about genealogy.
1: Okay, you're very welcome. Pleasure to see you again,
0: Bob. Terry Moran is Vice President of the Capital District Genealogical Society. This is the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. To hear more, listen to Part 2 of this episode.